You're listening to The Patchwork Girl and Friends. I'm Kendra, and I love having interesting conversations with my friends about art, media, life, the universe, and everything. And that is what this podcast is all about. Once again, I am joined by the wonderful Jules. Thank you for coming back, Jules. Oh, of course. This is super fun. I'm glad to be back. And today we are talking about The Princess Bride, which is going to be interesting because I'm more familiar with the book and Jules is more familiar with the movie. So I'm going to start with just a general question. Jules, what do you think is the point of the story? Well, I have to answer your question with a a question of what's the point of any story? And (laughs) that could be... A lot of different things and I thought about this question not I guess not super hard but I was thinking about it like well some stories are to teach a lesson or to get you to think a certain way and in my opinion the princess bride the story is solely entertainment it is a very entertaining story it is kind of fairy tale-ish which a lot of fairy tales kind of have a lesson or a moral and the only one I could think of for the princess bride is Especially in the movie, which I recently watched to prepare for this, true love is upheld very, very high as being a a thing of value. I do talk about about that a lot in the movie, but like I I tried to get my hands on a copy of the book before we did this. I couldn't get one, so I was reading Spark Notes this this morning. And Buttercup didn't love Wesley until somebody else looked at him in the book. Yes, which is partly why I like the book. I guess we're starting with kind of the the differences between the movie and the book. I like the book because it's a little darker. And yes, Buttercup and Wesley don't instantly fall in love. It takes a while. My favorite part of the book is when someone else is looking at Wesley and she feels jealous. And then she figures out that she's in love with him. And she goes to his house and she says this really long, ridiculous speech about how much she loves him and about how much more she loves him at the end of her speech than she did at the beginning. And he doesn't know what how to respond. So he kind of just shuts the door in her face. And I, I thought that was really funny. Yeah, cause he, he already loved her, but she's like, OK, I need some time to like process all that. Yeah. Because <laughs> he probably didn't think that she cared about him at all because she was mean to him. One part in the beginning of the movie that is not super like a part of the movie, but it's something that as a kid watching this movie, because I've been watching this movie probably since I was born, is when the grandpa comes in and he's like, he's going to pinch my cheeks and I hate that. And as a kid, you're like, yeah, why do adults do that? I'll never pinch anybody's cheeks. I am the biggest cheek pincher. Ah. Like, like I'll see a picture of a chubby baby and like I want to pinch that baby's cheek. Those cheeks need to be pinched. But the way that the grandpa comes in and starts describing the book and just talking about like my father read it to me and I read it to your father and now I'm reading it to you, which is such a cool family tradition, even though it's a fictional story and it, it doesn't really happen and like, well, it probably does happen in real life, but like in just this situation, it's just like a I don't care if you want to. We're doing this. It's a neat tradition. And also how the kid doesn't isn't into it at first. 
and then gets really, really into it. We're super it. into it. That was one of the things I'd written down about, like, him, like, pausing his grandpa, like, wait, grandpa, stop. You're reading the story wrong. Like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> or when he stops and, like, gross, kissing. That was, like, when I was a little kid, anytime there was a kissing scene, like, that is disgusting. I don't want to see that. I'm going to close my eyes. <laughs> Who is your favorite character and why? I think my favorite character is Fezzik, um, the giant. And I just think that he's such a pure, loyal character. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not the smartest. He's not, like, the most interesting. He doesn't have an interesting background, at least in the movie. I know in the book he has a little bit more backstory, but... He's just an loyal, interested, like, loving character. Like, he just wants to be accepted for who he is because he, in that time, was considered a freak because he was a giant and that was, like, weird. And I just think that he's just such a cool character. Yes, he really is. Andre, the name of the guy who plays Fezzik, apparently was a really sweet man and was just a, a fun guy to be around. That's what I've always heard, that he just was, like, a super nice, funny guy, yeah. So he's definitely my favorite. Who's your favorite? That's a good question. Um, probably Inyo Montoya. Montoya. He's, I can't say his name. Inigo Montoya. <laughs> he's definitely a probably my second favorite character. And again, because I'm more familiar with the book, in the book, basically the entire story stops to give his backstory in detail. Because in the movie, you do understand that the six-fingered man killed his father because that's a huge point. But in the in the book, it goes into him growing up as a kid and how his father got killed and in kind of more of a blow-by-blow blow way. And right. I, I really like that. Yeah. I, I definitely really like the book. And I don't know if I like the book or the movie better. I love that the book has more background on the characters because I think background story is so important and like literary illustration is super important. But I think some parts of the movie are just, portrayed so well like you couldn't portray this as well in writing as you could just seeing it that's true that's true i i do find it really interesting uh, comparing the movie and the book the author william goldman also wrote the screenplay and was heavily involved in the movie to the point where it's it's one of the most faithful adaptations of a book i've ever seen right they're very similar but- but I, I still like the book better. <laughs> That's fair. I usually like the book better. And I think the only reason I don't like totally love the book more is just because I grew up watching this movie. Like this is my family's favorite movie. Everyone in my family loves this movie. Well, and, and I think it's more accessible as a movie. I, I think more people will have been exposed to it through the movie than through the book. Right. And I didn't, I didn't even know probably until I was an adult that there was a book. And I was like, Uh, Why am I just now hearing about this? Why don't I own a copy? So I wanted to ask, have you ever seen behind the scenes special features or read anything about the making of The Princess Bride? I did read a tiny bit today in preparation for that. And I'm sure I've seen the special features on the DVD, but it's been a very long time. Was there anything that stood out to you? I feel like something about Andre the Giant, but now I can't remember because it's been so long. That's okay. Well, I I asked because I actually like the book so much better than the movie. I hadn't seen the movie in a really long time. And one of my friends 
talked me into reading this book by Carrie El Elwes Els Els, the guy who plays Wesley. Okay. He wrote a book called As You Wish, Inconceivable Tales from the Making of the Princess Bride. And it is a delightful read. I highly recommend it. Like, I wasn't even that into the movie. And I loved this book because they had so much fun making this movie. And there, there is a lot about Andre the Giant and um, kind of his life. And he had a lot of physical problems because yeah. he was so big and which is heartbreaking um, which is heartbreaking and but he had a great sense of humor and so it just tells all these stories about the cast just hanging out together and everyone having a really wonderful time and that has endeared the movie just by reading this book the movie is more likable to me just knowing how much fun they had making it I feel like I remember, again, this is probably at least five to ten years ago, that they did some kind of reunion special on TV or Netflix or something. But it was a similar thing about just talking about making the movie and how much they all, like, they so, they got to be such good friends. And I like those kinds of yeah. reunions of, like, because you, you hear so often, like, how, like, co-stars just can't stand each other. And that makes me sad because, like, in right. the movies, like, these guys are best friends. They have such good chemistry. And then you find out and realize they hate each other so much. It's like, now I'm sad. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's so uplifting to hear about a movie that was made and people had fun making it and people have fun watching it. I think that adds to the magic of the whole thing. So one of the things that I was thinking about when I was rewatching it a couple of days ago is, how come Vassini is so mean? Like, he's so mean to Fezzik. He's so mean to Indigo. I know he's hired to do a job, but he's just, he's just a bully. Like, if either one of those guys could have, yeah, really like, off him at any point in time. Like, well, like, Andre could have crushed him, and Indigo could have sword fought him, and, like, it would have been the end of it. He's just such a mean, he's just such a bully. The interplay between all those characters is so fascinating you make an excellent point like Fezix and Inigal they are stronger than Vizzini but they don't think so I think that's well, the, the sure. weird thing is they don't think they're smart enough and they think they need him and he just exploits that yeah it's not something that I've ever thought of before like I always probably thought when I was a kid like oh that guy's well, he's the boss, so he has to tell him what to do. But, like, as an adult, like, thinking about it, it's like, he's a jerk. Yes. <laughs> but, he, no, that guy, I can't think of the actor thing. He's a, such a good actor, though. Like He is. Yeah. I'm, he's a really great actor. The scene where he's in the battle with, with Wesley, and then he's like, ha-ha, like, never go against the Sicilian when death is on the line. And then he starts laughing, and the way he just, like, keels over and dies is so hilarious. <laughs> which brings me to another thought about this movie which I thought was maybe one of your questions of like this movie I know you said you like the movie because or the book better because it's darker and like more like it's more deep but I think one mm -hmm. of the reasons why people love this movie so much is because it's so lighthearted. like it's just like even like in the dark parts of the movie it's like still kind of funny that's like true. they don't take that's any true. of the dark parts too serious like they are super serious but like in like such like a monotone type of way it is very much popcorn film 
And, you know, there is a place for that. Sometimes it is really nice to just watch a movie that's fun and lighthearted. I I tell Alex all the time, like, I want to watch a movie that I don't have to think too hard about. At the end of the day, it's like, we're going to start a movie at 8 o'clock. Like, let's start a, like, I don't want to watch something that's, like, Inception. Like, I don't want to watch a movie like that where you have to pay attention every second. Otherwise, you're not going to know what's happening. No, I'm curious. The last movie we talked about was Nacho Libre, and your husband is not really into it. How about the How about the Princess Bride? He does like that movie. Probably not as much as me, but it is one that when I was in preparation, I so he didn't want to watch it with me. I was like, I'll watch it while you're at work. He's like, wait for me to watch it. I already I already started. We could watch it again, but like, I don't mind. Oh, good. I'm glad there are some um, light and fluffy movies that you guys can watch together. For sure. Like, he's definitely, like, I probably mentioned last time, like, Fast and the Furious, John Wick, anything that's a war movie. Fast and Furious is fine. I'll watch that. At least there's a plot to it. But I don't care for, like, super violent movies. I War movies are, like, violent and they're depressing. I just like, like, lighthearted, funny movies. Wesley dies in The Princess Bride. And it is kind of treated lightheartedly, but I remember when I saw this as a young kid, it was kind of freaky. I see you said that I'm like Wesley doesn't die. I'm like, oh yeah, he he was only mostly dead, I guess. <laughs> well, mostly dead. Only mostly dead. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like I think as a kid, like looking at that and like they're like, oh he's dead, like now what? You know, I think that's the part where one of the parts with the grandkid in the movie is like he can't die. Who kills Prince Humperdinck? Like, it was kind of weird for me when I was a kid. But um, as an adult, I think that's just a very interesting choice to kill off one of your main characters before like, the like grand finale the and then bring them back. <laughs> yes. And and I kind of appreciate that in, in that dark, quirky way. So if you had to be a character in The Princess Bride, who would you be? And why? There's going to be two very different... I have two. Go for it. <laughs> First one is a tie between Indigo and Fezzik, just because those are two of my favorite characters. And they have... Those are very different. But the other one that's like a... My other one is like, I think Valerie, which uh, Miracle Max's wife. Just because mm-hmm. she's such like a side character, but she's also so, so interesting. Which mm-hmm. brings me to probably my favorite quote in the movie. I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. <laughs> do, do you ever quote that? Maybe not with my own husband, but my, <laughs> my family, that's like our favorite scene in the whole movie is the Miracle Max scene. And it, I think that that scene just like portrays marriage so well, especially like it's really especially cute. A marriage that you've been married like for whatever, like they say 50 years, like and the husband's out doing something and she's trying to like do his business and the wife's in the background listening like I'm gonna make sure he's doing the right thing and he doesn't do the right thing and the wife, wife immediately comes up like are you kidding me like you're trying to mess with these guys and you know that this is the truth and the husband's like get out of here like I'm trying to do my business woman and then the whole part where she's like chasing around yelling humpadink's name because he hates that word yes like that just <laughs> wraps up marriage so nicely which is why I would pick to be Valerie because I think that's like I think marriage is beautiful and long marriages are beautiful 
and the fact that they go from fighting and then at the end of that scene and they're like just all lovey-dovey and like bye guys like have fun storming the castle and they both are in agreement like yeah we'll see if they make it out alive they probably won't they are really cute there's a lot of little interesting bit parts which I think maybe is is part of the reason the movie is really memorable. So you mentioned before that there are some parts that you think the movie just nails. What are some of those parts that are just really suited for being in a movie? Well, for sure, the Miracle Maxi, which we just discussed. Mm, then I mm-hmm. always feel like, like sword fight scenes or like fight scenes are portrayed so much better if you can see them than just reading about them. Like, and then... I don't even know how to describe a sword fight scene. Yeah, you're right. It's it's much more it's more streamlined and probably more exciting to see it. I think um, the actor who plays Wesley, whose name is difficult for me to pronounce, Carrie something uh, or <laughs> I think he does a really really great job when he's back to being alive but his body can't move right he is so great at looking floppy and using that for comedy the last time I watched it I think that was the part that got the most giggles out of me because he he's just so he has a really fun balance between being dashing and heroic and also goofy I would agree with that like I never thought of that part as funny but I can see yeah, I can see the humor in that, like, just being, like, like a dead fish. Yes. <laughs> and that is difficult to do. Like, and, like, do all the other, like, acting things you have to do. Like, I have to act floppy, but also look like I'm getting my strength back while being floppy. When I thought it'd be f- it would be hard to be one of the other actors in that scene. Because, you know, they have to carry him and talk to him. And he, you know, his head just keeps, like, flopping around and stuff. I... I, I'm impressed with the acting. One of the things I had written down was in, during the scene, which is going back a little bit, when it's during the Battle of Wits, what is Buttercup thinking? Like, she just sits there quietly. Like, she doesn't say anything. She doesn't move. She's just kind of a background character. Like, and, Ooh, that's a great question. And then the only comment that she makes afterwards, like, I think all this time it was your cup that was poisoned. But that's all she has to say. Which also brings me to another thing is I think she's my least favorite character in the whole story. How so? At least in the movie. I know she is a little bit more interesting in the book. But in the movie, I just feel like her character is so flat. Yeah, I feel that way too. Like, <laughs> all of her characters, like her whole thing in the whole movie is that she's so beautiful. That's why Prince Humperdinck wants to marry her. And that's her whole personality is that she's pretty. She's not like the fastest or the bravest or the wittiest she's just pretty yeah to be fair this movie came out 50 years ago or well not quite 50 years ago i don't know i guess a while ago the book came out 50 years ago and the the movie came out like 35 40 years ago so it was a different time and it was that was just how all the stories were like the girl the pretty girl next door yeah and as a modern day female adult I just think that's so just like two-dimensional like why is why is that all that is important like all of the other characters have some other like life goal like 
even Prince Humperdinck, who's the bad guy, like, at least he has goals and aspirations. And like he has this idea in his head that <laughs> they're not good goals or good aspirations. Like he wants to start a war. Like all she's like, oh, well, I guess I'll marry the prince so I don't die. Even though she would rather, she wants to die because Wesley was quote unquote dead. Mm-hmm. I, just, I don't know. I just was like watching it the other day. I was like, she's terrible. She's a terrible character. <laughs> she's so boring. And again, that's why I like the book because there there is a lot more about her, and I, I feel I know like she's less per- people perfect. <laughs> that's okay. That's what we're here for, right? To have controversial podcast discussions about the Princess Bride. <laughs> but yeah. I, I like in the book how she she's not perfect. She kind of makes a fool of herself, confessing her love to Wesley, and then when she finds out he died. There's a a very long scene, actually, where she shuts herself in her room. Uh, She has parents in the book. She doesn't really have any family in the movie. But it kind of describes her grieving process. Yeah, they're just randomly there. Yeah, in the the book, she, she locks herself in her room for like a week. I really like the writing in the book. The dialogue is the same in the movie and the book, but there's some internal dialogue in the book that I particularly like. And it, it talks a lot about how she grieves and kind of hardens her heart. And then I guess it, it kind of sets me as a reader up to believe she could marry Prince Humperdinck because she is like, when he meets her, he's like, will you marry me? And she's like, well, I don't love you. And he says, well, that's fine. Just marry me. And she says, okay. So there's there's a little bit more of the internal process of what's going on in Buttercup, which may not necessarily be make her an interesting character, but is interesting as a reader. I know in the movie, they, they talk about where she went in her room and she shut the door. And she'd say, I never love again. And then I was reading the Sparks notes today and how she, she, when she came out, then she was the most beautiful woman in the world. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Which, Which again, is weird. My other thing is like, why, why is that important? <laughs> Wesley doesn't care about that. Wesley is interesting because he has a lot of witty dialogue. He actually does stuff. But I don't think it ever really talks about why he likes butter buttercup or uh, yeah so that was one of my things at the beginning of like why does he love her like why does he what does her family do that they can afford a farmhand those things aren't discussed in the movie and i don't know if they're discussed in the book either i know her parents are more prevalent in the book but yeah i don't remember i they farm they have cows i think they raise cows i think i think you're right it was just, yeah, I think it's just interesting. Like, what is so interesting about Buttercup that Wesley just loves her? Is it because she's beautiful that he fell in love with her beauty first and then other parts of her? Right. Although she's not traditionally beautiful when he falls in love with her because she apparently doesn't really take care of herself. Right. Like, she doesn't comb she's her very hair tomboy. and stuff. Right. Because when she falls in love with Wesley, like, she starts washing her hands and, like, combing her hair and stuff. Just basic hygiene. Yeah, basic hygiene makes you beautiful. (laughs) Write that down. Somebody write that down. (laughs) Also in the movie, like, the only exciting 
thing she does is jump in the water with the eels. Yeah. Which in the book is sharks. Yeah. Like, that's the only, like, interesting, brave thing she does in the whole movie. Otherwise, she just kind of stands there. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And now in 2021, like, women are so much more empowered. Like, you can do better. Like, you can fight your own battles. You don't, you don't need no man. Well, and I guess you could argue that because her heart is broken, she doesn't really have a will to live. Therefore, she doesn't fight. But, but even after Wesley comes back, she still is like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like, I was a little bit bothered by it watching the movie again. I was like, I still love this movie. It's so great. But I just wish she had a little bit more something. I don't even know what the right word for it is. I don't know what she's missing, but she's missing something. For being the title character, I don't think she like comes up as the most popular character on like people's lists. Like she didn't come up on our favorite character list. She's just so boring. She just. I feel like if she's in any other movie, she'd be, like, the nerdy best friend. <laughs> if there's anyone out there who has a case for Buttercup, please let us know. We we want to know. I know in the book, it talks about Count Rugen, the six-fingered man, has a wife. But in the movie, it doesn't mention that at all. And I have a conspiracy theory that the prince and the count are lovers in the movie. <laughs> Because of, like, the way when she's talking, like, I'm starting Wesley on the machine tonight, do you want to watch? And the way that the prince responds, like, it's such, like, you know how much I love to work, like, watch you work. Like, the way he responds and the way that they look at each other, I'm like, I think they're lovers. I never would have thought of that before. That is an interesting take. I wonder, I wonder if there was something put into there or if that was just... Uh, it could have just been good acting of like good acting like because he is his like right hand man too so it could just be that they're really good friends but mm-hmm. so like when I was watching I think I've had that thought before but I just watching like there like they just talk to each other the way you do to someone that you care super deeply about that's an interesting take of the two bad guys are are a couple <laughs> I'm raising all sorts of controversy up here but I bet there's fan fiction about that, and I'm not going to look for it. <laughs> I'm also not going to look for it. Nobody looks for it. <laughs> yeah, we we do not um, encourage going to look at fan fiction. <laughs> so this is a random thing, but um, what do you think of the Princess Bride title on the DVD cover? Like, they did a re-release... At this point, it was a while ago, and they. Uh, I, I think I know. Font. You know where I'm going. I think with I this. know which one you're. I believe I know which one you're talking about because okay. there's a couple different covers. Because I don't currently own a copy because mm-hmm. it's my parents' copy, and I couldn't take that away from them when Aww. I moved out. <laughs> but it's on Netflix, and it's been on Disney Plus, and so I believe the one you're talking about, where it's, technically it's like two pictures, and then almost like a reflection of like they're two different personas. Is maybe not quite the right word, but. But yeah, like two different yeah. times in the the storyline. Yes, and then when you flip the cover over, the writing is the same, upside down and right side up. Yes, I, I'm assuming that's what you're. you're that is what I'm to. talking about. I wanted to know what that kind of writing is called. It's called an ambigram, so it can be read both right side up and upside down. And I really, really like that cover to the point I had forgotten. In the actual movie, the font is not like that. And I was watching the movie again. It's like, oh. And you're disappointing. Yeah, it was disappointing. (laughs) 
I just think that's a, it's quirky and pretty and I love the reflection thing. So I, I, I wish that had been like the original cover. Cause I think it's yeah. really great. They probably didn't have that kind of thought process in the eighties though of like, no, making probably this not. really, cause I think a lot of the times in the eighties, the movie covers, like how much can we put under this cover to tell the story? Right. Like how many characters, how many like who's animals the, and like right. font and like, flash and flare and who's the most expensive actor we can put on <laughs> cover yeah so another thought that i had of when it's after they're out of the fire swamp and after wesley is quote-unquote dead and it's right i think it's right before the wedding buttercup and the prince Humberdink are talking about their honeymoon and he's talking about how much he's excited to marry her and they're gonna sail on their with their whole armada for their honeymoon and she's like well except for your four fastest ships right mm-hmm. and then she's talking about you're a liar but like i like wesley's gonna come anyway you'll see i love him and i'll never love you and then he gets mad mm-hmm. why does he get mad if he's gonna kill her anyway why mm. does he care why does he care if she loves wesley and not him when he's planning to kill her anyway that's an excellent question Maybe because up until that point, she was pretty passive about it. And now that she knows Wesley is alive, but, but still that doesn't explain like why it's really suddenly mad. personal now. Yeah, that's an excellent question. I never thought of that. So the other day, I was like, yeah, he's going to kill her. Like, what, does it matter that she doesn't love you? Like, do you, do you care that much about, like, is your head and your ego so big that you want her to also love you so then you can kill her it's just yeah. it just was annoying to me it was like that's dumb you're dumb humperdink <laughs> and that leads to my next question which is kind of, i kind of already know the answer but like why does the king and queen let their son be such a dick mm. like i know the king's dying and he's old and senile but the, the queen seems pretty there and like yeah like, he just has, like, free range to do whatever he wants and say whatever he wants. And, like, I know in the book he has got the, the pit of despair is the the zoo of death or something like that. And he has all these things in there and there's different levels. And how did he get to be the way he was? Because the king and queen seem pretty normal and pretty decent. It was really interesting is I forgot that the king and queen exist. And so it was really weird of, like, oh, wait, he has a family? I think it, what's weird is that he has, in the movie, he has a family, but Buttercup doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. Right? It doesn't seem to add anything. I think that's what was so weird about it is it's, maybe the only reason they're there is because he is not yet the king. So they're Probably. there simply to keep him a prince for storytelling purposes. For, for, for sure. But like, just like, as like a wouldn't call myself a critic but like just as like thinking about that I'm like that's like it's such a I feel like it's a plot pool mm-hmm. especially since they seem nice like they could be terrible and awful and support him in his evil doings but they seem nice normal and like there's like little little old grandma grandpa type I know that's like a small minor thing for like this big plot of a movie but it just was like something that I thought I'm like I feel like in most movies that have like a, somebody who's going to become the king next like, the parents have, like, somewhat of a hand of, like, hey, this is how you're going to rule the kingdom. And it's just interesting. Just interesting for what the Princess Bride is. And, again, I, it's 
light, fluffy movie. Just something that stuck out to me this last time I watched it. So I feel like The Princess Bride wasn't made to become as popular and famous as it is. I feel like it was made as kind of this pet project by people who really, really liked it. And somehow it just struck gold and people love this movie and continue to love this movie. What is the gold they hit on? I think something that people really love about it is it's like in the beginning when the grand, the grandson's like, well, what kind of book is it? Like, is it even any good? And then they're screwing. People ask me about this movie that I'm like, let's watch this movie. I can't believe you've never seen it. That's ridiculous. Well, what is it like? Well, what is it about? Like, it's got true love. It's got torture. It's got fencing, chases, escapes, which is what the grandpa uses to describe it to the grandson in the beginning of the movie. And I think just because like it has all these little different elements of all these things that people like, like me, I like a good love story. Like that's not too cheesy. Well, this is a pretty this movie's a little cheesy, but you know, like <laughs> but we'll give like it a pass. The, like not like the oh, I looked at them one time and I fell in love with some kind of story, like the Disney princess of oh, I'm known this guy for a day and we're gonna get married. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Alex likes the fighting and the witty banter, which I also like the witty banter, but I think there's just a little bit of something in it for most people, like most different kinds of people that they like, oh, well, I really like this part. So this is, this is a fun movie. And I can, even though I don't love this kind of other thing, like I don't love love stories, but all the fencing and the fighting and the revenge is so interesting that there's all these different parts that people can pick what they like. Can you think of a movie that kind of hits those same notes? No, I don't think there's anything quite like Princess Bride. No, I was trying to think of something too. And it's, there's like a a quirky swashbuckling feel that's very unique to it. And I don't know. It's like, I want more things like that, but I don't know if it's possible. I think it'd be dangerous because it'll either be amazing or people are going to be like just devastated by how bad it is. And I think yeah. that would be such like a big risk to <laughs> yes. take. Yes. Like, I don't think that there'd be a, like, oh, it was okay. Like, I didn't love it. Like, it's either going to be like devastating, like horrible, or like, like the perfect movie. One other character that we haven't talked about that I think is kind of interesting, but it's again like a super side character is the albino. Just specifically, why an albino? Like, why is the albino like the king's little henchman? It's true. It's a. It's one of those weird, quirky things. If he was just a guy, you wouldn't pay attention would to him. As, right, he would not be as memorable. But because he's an albino guy, that suddenly makes it memorable. And then one other thing that I didn't write down, but just thought about was Fezzik and Indigo's relationship. Like they're just such good friends. Like they're just they care yes. about each other. Like and with there with Bassini, they like the whole rhyming scene. Like because the. The CD's being a jerk to Fezzik and, and to Indigo. So, like, then they start doing the whole rhyming thing. And I just think that they have, like, this, like, beautiful little friendship that I think is so sweet. I think so, too. I, those two really are, I would say they're kind of the core of the movie. Oh, I totally agree. They're the most interesting characters. They are. They are. And it's like the, the I feel like Wesley and Buttercup are the plot device so that we can have um, Indigo and Fezzik. Indigo and Fezzik doing their fun buddy thing. 
like I like Wesley. He's a good character. Like he has some personality and depth. But just it, the way that they like just like care about each other and like just a good friend kind of way. Like you're my you're my best friend. Like and I'm gonna take mm-hmm. like when when Fezzik finds Indigo in the thieves forest and he's drunk. He nursed his friend back to help and in the movie it's him nursing him back to help is like splashing his face in hot and cold water and hot and cold water and then feeding him soup. <laughs> yes. I don't think that's how you cure a hangover. No. I mean, you can do something. I don't know if it would help. <laughs> and uh, as we're watching it in the scene where she's dreaming that she did marry Prince Hubbardink and that old lady who's kind of like old and she's ugly and she looks like a witch, you know, and she's just mm-hmm. booing her and yelling at her. And then she calls her like the queen of putrescence. And then I realized like, I don't know what that means. So I looked it up and it makes sense. Like, means like you're like rotten or like you smell like a rot or you're corrupt or you're, you're smelly and you're gross. And I just think that like, because of what she was yelling, it's like, how could you leave Wesley? How could you marry the prince when you love Wesley? And how could you turn your back on him in true love? Which, you know, it's only a dream, but I think that's just such an interesting concept because I think that there are instances that people do marry for status or for money instead of true love. Oh, yes. And uh, I know, like, if you're, like, actually in the royal, whatever, like, you may not have a super say in that, but, like, what an interesting thing to put in the movie. How they make it come across, like, with the vocabulary that they use is just so different and... I don't think I've ever heard anybody use the word putrescence except for in the Princess Bride. <laughs> Expanding our vocabularies. No, it's it's a good scene and it's a good word. And I think that's interesting of you didn't know what the word meant, but you knew what was implied. Right. Like you can pick that up based off of the context. I mean, because, you know, she, doesn't she, off, yeah, she goes on this like rubbish, slime, filth. I think as, as a little kid, that was the, probably like the most shocking scene of like, and I think it's partially because of the way I was raised. Like, you don't talk to people like that. That's mean. I don't think that dream scene is in the book. I might be really misremembering. I can't remember. But... I do want to still get a copy of the book and reread it because I just yeah, <laughs> just like like thinking about it, like really thinking about it. I'm like, I just really gotta. I gotta go watch. I gotta go read that book again. Because it's been a long time. And again, it's it's really, 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 really similar to the movie. Props to all of the people involved in the movie. Because very rarely does that much of a book make it into a movie. But that's, I think that's what I liked the, about the book. I love it when books and movies are like the same. Like they don't change major plot points. But always like makes me so mad. Like I like to read the book first and then watch the movie. But, like, sometimes, like, there's been books that I've read that, like, I love. And then I watched the movie, and, like, well, that was nothing like the book. Like, they changed, exactly. like, these major <laughs> plot points. Or, like, even if it wasn't a major plot point, like, these, like, really important, like, key things that happened that were really important for the storyline and for, like, towards the end of the story, like, that they just took out or changed totally or, like, changed characters. But, what's the, like, what's the point of that? Like, why don't you just stay true to the book? I, I understand that you can't put the whole book in the movie because then the movie's going to be 12 hours long. Right. <laughs> that's something that's always bothered me, which is what I love about this book and this movie is that they're so, so similar. 
I have no main complaints with the movie because it's basically the book. I just like all the extra things in the book. Right. I, um, I think the, other than the extra things in the book, the biggest difference <laughs> that I can remember is they changed from the book. It's a shark infested waters instead of eel infested waters. And then the pit, of, yeah. the pit of despair is called the zoo of death in the book. And then it has more it than would... one layer, which is another thing about yes, Isaac and the, Indigo. Like, they'll the do that together and like help each other and take care of each other there, too. Yes, they do. That would have been a cool scene, but it's it would have been out of their budget. Yeah. The, the zoo of death is way more involved than they could have made at that time. And they made it work. Yeah, for sure. I just love this movie so much. Thank you for coming and talking about it. I really enjoyed this discussion. Me too. It's it's fun to talk about movies that I love with somebody who's outside my family who has a different perspective of it because I feel like my whole family has the same, like, this movie's the best. This part is the best. (laughs) I'm glad you enjoy talking about movies with me. You know I love that so, so much. I love talking about movies with you because you have that director mindset that, like, you're like, what about this? And I'm like, huh, I didn't ever think about that, like, my brain doesn't work that way. Well, I feel like this time you totally brought in the the interesting, huh, never thought about that questions. Like about what is Buttercup thinking during the Battle of Wits or what is with Humperdinck's parents. <laughs> like, thank you for bringing those today. That's really great. Well, you're welcome. Do you have anything to plug today? I do. And I thought about it really hard. I would like to recommend Gotham which you and I were talking about, I think, last week when we were hanging out and we went on our walk. So mm-hmm. Gotham is on Netflix. I don't think it's a Netflix series. I don't know what station that's on. We don't get cable. Um, but it is about, well, Gotham from the Batman series. And it's about when Batman was a, Bruce Wayne was a young young boy, probably like 12 or 13, like right after his parents get killed. And he's going through trying to figure out who killed his parents. Like, what is this corruption going on with Wayne Enterprises? And it largely follows the storyline of Jim Gordon, who in the Batman series is the commissioner. He's much older than Bruce Wayne. But like, it sets up a lot of background for villains and like how Bruce Wayne is as a person, who Alfred is a person, like Alfred's in it. He's a super good, great character and like, like all these little points of just such a good series i really really enjoy it thank you for listening to the patchwork girl and friends you can help make the show better by supporting me on patreon my patreon supporters get access to cool benefits like early access to commercial free episodes and behind the scenes features just look for patchwork girl productions on patreon.com next time on The Patchwork Girl and Friends. Every time people would come over to the house, we'd have to, uh, you know, take a trek up to the Lego room and give them a tour. Uh, isn't the spirit of Lego to do whatever you want? So is there one spirit of Lego? Ooh, that's a deep question. And deep thoughts with Abraham and Kendra. I always thought it'd be cool to make my own double-decker couch. And I, I think I, I did make yes. one at, po- at one point. Did you ever play Lego Star that's Wars? I was obsessed. <laughs> I can imagine like 17 year old Kendra just like playing like Star Wars all day. Be yourself unless you can be Batman, right? <laughs>